Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. With the third pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New York Knicks select R.J. Barrett. What's up, everybody? I'm recording live on a happy Friday, a very, very special episode of Draft Strickland. This is episode number 32, and I finally, finally am able to bring a special guest who I've wanted to come on the pod for a while. If you don't follow him, you need to follow him because he provides really, really insightful analysis, tons of great clips. He started off clipping mostly the Knicks, but now this guy clips any team at any time, clips college guys, international, and I'm constantly in his DMs trying to figure out who the Knicks should pick, and more importantly, which players have the coolest passes in this class's draft. Um, yeah, I'm yeah, bringing that, him on the pod. That's my thing. <laughs> that's his thing. It's it's uh, I'm bringing him on the pod to talk about a couple of important topics and a player who is near and dear to his heart. It's Mo. You may know him on Twitter from his handle at Mo Loves NBA. Go follow him there. Mo, how you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for you. Thank you for that. Like that, that's a pretty hefty introduction. Yeah, you know how we do it, man. We gotta, we gotta give give our flowers to our guests here. Only awesome, illustrious guests on Draft Strickland. That's how we do. Before we get started, I would like to announce the Strickland does have a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. As many tiers, the six dollar tier, that gets you access to this podcast every Friday that I do with Prez Pod Strickland. Uh, you also get access to the mailbag that I do every other week with Jeremy and Drew. Furthermore, you get access to the Strickland Discord, where we talk about the Knicks all the time, 24-7. Uh, there's live game chats. It's a fun time. Uh, there's further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to weekly articles by the wonderful Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best Knicks writers in the business. You also will get access to my solo podcast, Strick and Roll, uh, where I yell about the Knicks quite a bit. Uh, even more if that's something that you're interested in. Uh, there's further tiers. There's a $50 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. Those get you access to a variety of further things like merchandise discounts, live watch parties, listening in on podcast recordings, even potentially hosting a podcast yourself alongside us one day. But whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. Your support is appreciated. And without further ado, let's talk about the New York Knickerbockers.
So, um, you know, I'm happy, like I mentioned, that you're able to join us today. And we're here to talk about Force Centers. Um, we've talked, I had a, a, a good podcast episode earlier this cycle with another friend of the show, um, Erson, and we talked about Biggs in brief back then, but we're going to talk a little bit more in detail about what they bring to the table in case the Knicks trade down or in case we get a second pick because, you know, we don't know if Mitchell Robinson is going to be back. But before we talk about the Bigs, we're going to talk about a player who I'm not sure why, but it feels like he's kind of getting some extra love recently on the internet. I, I, I don't know why, but maybe it's just, you know, we're at the point in the draft cycle where everybody has watched everything and nobody's playing college ball anymore. So everyone's just kind of going a little crazy, but it's Benedict Matherin, um, the shooting guard from Arizona. So for folks who are less familiar with Matherin, he is uh, Canadian and he had a very good freshman season last year at the university of Arizona. And many people expected him to have a big breakout sophomore season, which he did. Because he got a bigger role. He was a young freshman. Now he's 19. And uh, a lot of folks saw him in March Madness lighting it up. And, you know, they didn't they didn't win the championship, even though they were one of the best teams. But he was definitely, um, along with another guy we'll talk about later, Christian Coloco, uh, probably the best player on one of the best teams. Which, if you can do that and be 19 years old, that's, that's a pretty good place to start as an NBA prospect. So... The first question I have for you, Mo, is what do you enjoy the most about Matherin? Why why is he one of your favorites? His movement to in like it's wild some of the shots he hits. <laughs> it, like it's wild. Like he like they run based on outbound plates for him and like he comes off sprinting and hits wild shots from corners, like fading away, like Fournier-like. Like, it's wild to see. Yeah, it's interesting because we have a bunch of good shooters. Like you mentioned, Fournier obviously broke the Knicks' three-point record and Grimes and quickly. Um, but we don't really use them for movement shooting that much. And I don't know... I know Fournier has done a lot of movement shooting in the past, and Tibbs has annoyingly decided to not let him do as much of that this year. But for all their strengths, Quickly and Grimes have never really been the kind of guys who sprint off the of screens like J- like full-speed J.J. Redick style and fire them up, even though they're really good at it. They could probably do it if they if they tried, but they, they just, you know, that's not their thing. They have other kinds of threes that they like to take. But Matherin, he would be able to do that and... The Knicks don't really have anyone who can do that. Um, and to me, the discussion about Matherin kind of starts with, he does a lot of things that players on the Knicks don't do. Is that something you would agree with? Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so the movement shooting is one of those things. Is there anything else he does that stands out that is like just not present on the Knicks team that you think he might is be it- able to bring? He's a really good cutter, like really good, like one of the best, uh, like this cycle. 
his cutting is is pretty good and it's uh i don't know it's one of those things where it's like i don't know if you can teach that right so your guy if you pick a guy they kind of just have to have it or not and more often than not the knicks guys just don't have that for whatever reason yeah um yeah go ahead uh yeah it's weird because like like rj showed some good kind like a duke when he Mm -hmm. was off ball and cam sometimes kind of does it grimes obi obi obi's probably the best car on the knicks yeah so yeah we have we have kind of but like it's it's not like obi is probably a little bit ahead of mathurin but like he doesn't have the shooting so mathurin can like run off handles and fake handles so like it will kind of supplement that with the kind so that's why i think like he can take it a level higher than obi yeah and you know you can you're allowed to have more than one guy who's good at cutting too, especially when they play different positions. So, I mean, it'd be a nice change. Like I haven't looked it up, but I feel like most of the last couple of years, the Knicks have been last or second to the last in the NBA and uh, baskets from cuts um, or percentage of baskets from cuts. So hopefully uh, if they, if they took someone like Matherin, it, it would be a sign that they're trying to, fill some gaps in their kind of skill set. Like we saw last year, they took all these different guys, both in the draft and in free agency, who were good at pull-up shooting. Um, You know, Deuce, Burks, Rose, Grimes, like Rokas, like all these guys can shoot off the dribble. But none of them really cut, and none of them are really great two-point scores and those two things are related so one of the things one of the things i have to remind myself with matherin is like even though he has monster dunks that are amazing posters he's kind of boring to me because he's just like making smart decisions and he's effective and if he cuts and gets the ball guess what he's gonna score because he can dunk and he's 210 pounds and nobody's gonna get in the way or if they do they might get dunked on so it's like you know, regular two-point percentage is kind of a boring stat, but I think his was 52% both this year and his freshman year. And to give listeners, like, an example of how good that is, Ben Cairo is 53%, and Ivy is 53%, Davis is 42%, Jabari is somewhere in the low 40s. Like most perimeter oriented players are in the low 40s. Ivy is high because he gets to the rim a ton. And Paolo is high because he's a gigantic person who plays near the hoop. And then you have Matherin, who's not, you know, he's not some guy driving to the rim all the time. And he's not some six foot 10 post up guy. But his two point shooting is just as good. And that's really impressive. Like he's, can you talk a little bit about like, We'll get back to his three-point shooting, but can you talk a little bit about his game inside the three-point arc? Like, what do you think about that? Uh, the most impressive thing is obviously his kind, but, like, he's really good in transition. Like, mm. really good. 
he he run the floor well, run angles well, and yeah, Arizona is like like a really good passing team. Like they were one mm-hmm. of the best passing teams. So he would get the ball a lot. Like that's when you see like his athletes and pop. So yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, you know, we always wish the Knicks run more and. When quickly plays point guard, they do run more. So hopefully, whether it's quickly or Brunson or someone, just it won't be Alec Burks or Alfred Payton, and you know whoever we take will get some chances in transition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 rough times out here, but like he's like he's really good in transition, really good going. Like he has floor touch. Like his floor touch is not bad. Like it's not great. But like, it, it's something you uh, like you can work with, and mm-hmm. his drives, like his context, like his context, like that's the thing with Matherin, like his context, context was so bad. Uh, Arizona, like when he gets the ball top the key, like he would have two bigs standing either side of the paint, and like he can't really drive. So, like, he would force up threes and, like, force up, like, awkward-looking pull-ups. And, like, like, I don't know how to explain Like, his context was so bad and it hurt, like, his perception a lot, I think. Yeah, I think I agree. And, and people, it's kind of tough because people assume his team is so good and, therefore, the context must be good. But that's not really true because some of the things that made them good at the college level are playing Coloco with other big guys or larger wings and stuff like that. And uh, they can't always shoot and they crowd the floor. And that's part of what makes them good at defense. And that's part of what makes them so good in transition as a good running team. Like everybody on that Arizona team, it felt like had a 40 inch vertical, like (laughs) so many good dunkers, whether it's guards, wings, bigs, so many guys just good at dunking and running. So, um, but in the NBA, if he has a little more space, then uh, that might help. That's only going to help his cutting and uh, even more. And um, I'm happy you mentioned his floater because I looked up his runner stats on Synergy, and it wasn't really that good. I think it was like around 30%. But I'm kind of, I'm still buying it as good because it looks really good. And it sounds kind of silly to say, but... You know, when we talk about floaters in college, we're not talking about that many shots, right? Like, nobody's taking 100 floaters. You're talking, like, 20 or 30. So, uh, I think he's going to be a good floater shooter. I don't know if that's a hot take. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do, like, as well. Like, I think he's going to be a good floater shooter. I mean, I'm curious now. I'm going to look up what he... Oh, last year he didn't take that many at all, so it doesn't even matter. Anyway, um... Yeah, so another, so one of the reasons people are uh, a little shy to take him is they wonder if he's too much of a perimeter-oriented guard. Like, is it, like there, you know, folk, people want someone who might be able to get to the rim more and drive or do some more ball handling. Can you talk a little bit about what you think about? his ball handling and his his driving and his facilitating because he's kind of weird in that he's 
he's like a mix of both good and you know things that he can improve in that end. Yeah, like his ball handling, like can improve, like it has improved, like mm-hmm. from his freshman season to like his sophomore year, and like it has improved like along the season, like with his passing as well and the drive. Like he he's made yeah like in season leaps, which was like really impressive. But like the ball handling, I think like some of that is due to the context because he would play with two bigs and Dayton Terry, who like is not really assured. Well, I really like, by the way, like he's, he's, he's great. Be, like he's going to be fun. He's going to be fun. Uh, yeah. Like we can't really shoot that well. So it's left to the, with him and Kirk Risa. So that's the only sure they have like, like uh, in their best lineup. So mm-hmm. the context with him, like getting the ball at the top of the key, like he can't really do anything. Like he can't really drive. And the bigs don't <laughs> even, and the bigs don't even like see like Gorta or Ties. Like they don't even mm-hmm. try that. So like they're just waiting for a post-up touch. And it gets pretty rough watching them. Yeah. We'll talk about Coloco later, but, um, he got a lot of his offense from post-ups, um, which means he's going to park his ass in the paint a lot, and that's just how it is. And he's good at it, so, you know, it worked out for them. But, um, yeah, it makes life rough for Matherin. One thing it does allow, though, is, you know, even though he doesn't drive, he still gets to run a lot of pick-and-rolls. And I was pretty surprised by how he was as a passer. So, um I think that is one of the in-season leaps you were talking about, his ability to um, hit his bigs. Because um, Coloco is an NBA-type big who will catch it and will dunk. So he got a lot of practice basically running NBA-type pick-and-rolls. And, um, you know, sometimes he would... His scoring off of it was a mixed bag. He definitely likes to shoot threes when he gets screens. But... Um, his passing was pretty, pretty great for somebody who's not like driving, kicking all the time. Uh, yeah, his passing was like that. That's what made me like really want to watch him more. <laughs> like, I was saw one clip on Twitter, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch him more." And like, Tyrese was the one bagging the strum, and like, I took mm-hmm. over. I took over the hand, so. Yeah, you took over the bandwagon. <laughs> yeah, I, t- I took it over. But, like, he's a really good pass, like, uh, outside the passer, out pick and rolls, and, like, out closeouts. Like, he can hit shooters. Uh, like, he can hit baits for lobs. Like, it's really impressive at that. Like, the processing speed can be better, but, like, he, he makes some impressive reads. Yeah, and, th- and those kind of passes, like secondary pick-and-roll passes or connector passes, it's pretty much only Grimes and Obi who do that for us and nobody else. So having somebody else who can do that, who's a, you know, he's a little bigger than Grimes um, and certainly more athletic, so they could probably play together and, you know, you could have lots of good passers and shooters on the court. So he just lets you do a lot of things. Um 
because of his skill set. Even if he never, you know, we've seen, for example, guys on the Knicks like RJ and Quickly really improve their all handling a ton over the course of a couple of years. But one reason I like Matherin more than, say, Dyson Daniels is because I'm like, okay, if improving your ball handling takes a couple of years, are you going to, what can you do on offense in the meantime? And with Dyson, I'm not always quite as sure about the answer, but with Matherin, he can give you all types of stuff. He could give you transition. He could give you athleticism. He could give you movement shooting, spot up shooting and all that stuff. And I want to talk a little bit about his shooting. So I feel like this year, this draft, there's not that you have like guys like Jabari and Chet and stuff like that who are lights out shooters, but there's not that much shooting compared to other years. So how, how do you think he'll be as a shooter compared to other guys in the Knicks? Because the Knicks have a couple of good shooters. I think he'll fare pretty well, like, especially, like, spot and movements, because mm-hmm. quickly he's not really that good at that, mm-hmm. which is weird. Like, that's one of the weirdest things. But, like, it, it's only really Grimes and Fournier, I would take, above him. Mm-hmm. Like, and Grimes can't, like, shoot movement like Matherin. Mm-hmm. And Matherin has a pretty high release on movement shooting uh, and spots as well. So, like, he's in the tier of, like, Fournier and Grimes, in my opinion. Yeah. That's interesting because I, I, I used to kind of be a hater. I was like, oh, he's a good shooter, but is he a great shooter? You know, but the more I thought about, because he, so for for people who don't know, he, um, uh, let me pull it up right now. He shot, he shot. What do you do freshman year? What was it? Uh, His freshman year, he shot uh, 40%. Yeah, 41, 42%, and then 85% from the line. And his second year, this year, he shot 37% and 76 from the line, which is, you know, worse by a good amount. It's not bad or anything. Both those numbers are fine. But I was kind of poking around the numbers. And thankfully, diving into this, the nerd stuff on Synergy, some of it began to make a little more sense to me. One is, like, he randomly shot really crappy on unguarded catch-and-shoot jumpers, which, you know, you, you, some people might see hear that and be like, oh, well, that should be easy. If he was a good shooter, he would shoot really well on those. But some of that is just bad luck. Like, you're not talking about that many shooter, that many shots. So, And his, his contested or guarded catch-and-shoot numbers were fine. It was 37%. So normally your unguarded is higher than that. But for him, it was like 28 or something. So if you assume that he doesn't get as unlucky then his overall three-point percentage would have probably ended up, instead of being 37%, probably a lot closer to what it was as a freshman, like 40%. So that's, on his volume, taking uh, 12 per 100, 10 per 100 or whatever. Ten, like Yeah, 10 per 100. Uh, 10 per 100, yeah, that's a lot. And then, and then what you mentioned before is um, it's not just the number, but the versatility too, right? Like we saw this with Grimes. Grimes is not a movement shooter, but he took 
close three-pointers, far three-pointers, off-the-dribble three-pointers, uh, spot-up three-pointers, big-roll three-pointers, yeah. right, hand-off three-pointers. So, like, if you if you take a lot of three-pointers, that's going to make you more beneficial as a shooter and a spacer. And it's also, at the college level, probably going to make your percentages a little lower because that's a lot harder than if you're just waiting in the corner or whatever for catch and shoot jumpers. So yeah. I think I think even though I was a little bit of a doubter, I'm probably back in the he's a good bet to be not just a good shooter, but a, a great shooter. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Like his degree of difficulty on some of the shots is like, it's like, I don't know how to explain it. Like it's wild. Like they were drawing him off like exit screens, like they would run him off uh, pin downs, like they would run him off everything, and he would like cash it in. And like the UCLA game, like uh, the Pac 12 championship game, like that was the perfect like showing for that. Like he hit like two really crazy threes coming from exit screens, like going left, and he jumped really high and over the contest in like didn't matter cash yeah he's uh he's pretty tough to contest similar to grimes in that way and uh another one final question about his shooting so he wasn't super great at pull-up shooting yet um i think i forget his statistics on that on synergy they weren't that good but he did take like a lot of the threes where if someone sets a pick for him and the defender goes under, he would he would take like one dribble, two dribbles into those and shoot it. So he's definitely not shy about putting up shots off the dribble. It's just they didn't go in that much. Do you think he'll ever be like a legit off the dribble shooter? Like not just one or two dribbles, but like, you know, able to sometimes just call his own number and get a shot like how we see Fournier do it? Uh, that's like... I'm not like super confident <laughs> in saying it, but like I think I think he will get there. But like, like if he gets there, like that's an what an eighty fifth percentile outcome. Yeah, that's a game changer. <laughs> yeah, like that that makes him what like Zach Levine ish. <laughs> yeah, maybe like something like that, like. Because the movement chewing, the pull-ups, catching mm-hmm. like that's a that's a lot of ways to get your threes. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. Yeah, if he gets there and like he's shown shown some chops of like getting there, like the U nineteen film, like there's mm-hmm. a lot of that, how uh, like the creation and but like that's difficult because the competition level is a lot lower than college. So it, it's it's difficult, but like if he does it, yeah, it's it's wraps. Yeah, it's uh, I, I go back and forth on that as well. Um, maybe if he, it, it would probably start with getting his handle better. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes over the next three years for whoever picks him. But uh, he definitely has a high floor, and I could see if he drops to the Knicks pick, if the Knicks don't jump up, um. 
I think they'd be very happy to take him. He's just a solid pick, a solid player. He's pretty young. Um, so, you know, get a, get another Canadian on the team and build the I'll, gang a little I'll bit. I would be pretty happy with him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Before, I had put him in the category of, like, boring, but, like, I would be okay with it. Now I've changed it, I think, to, like, I would be legit excited. Like, he's, so, bo- he's boring, but I'm going to be happy with it. Yeah. Yeah, he's not even, like, that's the thing, like, he's, I say he's boring, but, like, we just talked about, like, if his handle gets a little better, even if he's not some Zach Levine type dude, like, this is a guy who, he was able to draw a bunch of fouls without even having a good handle, for example, so, like, what is he going to do with a good handle? Yeah, he drew more fouls. His free throw rate in college was higher than RJ Barrett's. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I want to ask you something. What, yeah. What What do you think of his defense? And, um, and I, rebounding. I was gonna ask you, man. I was supposed to just copy the answers off of you. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, I don't, I've only watched. When I watched Arizona earlier, I didn't pay as much attention as I should have, so I have to go back into it. Um, I The main thing that I took away, it, it, he, he's very fast and agile, but sometimes he kind of just falls asleep. And then other times, for somebody so strong, I kind of want him to be more physical, both for rebounding and for defense. Like, you know, Grimes is, is we see Grimes like this, where he's like, putting his chest to somebody else's chest and challenging them to out-muscle him. And it's not like Grimes is some super jacked bro or anything, right? And Matherin actually is. Matherin actually is jacked, like RJ almost. So uh, I feel like there's a good defender in there, but he's not quite come out yet. But he's also 19, and I don't know. I struggle evaluating that stuff because there's so many guys who are good defenders who end up being crappy defenders in the NBA. And then the reverse guys who are, Donovan they don't look Mitchell. that good on defense. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell <laughs> who was great on defense and college. And then not in the NBA, Alfred Payton, one, one defensive player of his conference. And then does not really get a defense in the NBA. Um, so RJ Barrett was like, uh, kind of a mediocre defender at Duke. And then became a pretty solid defender. So like I don't I don't fucking know, man. What do you think? <laughs> I actually really like his defense. Mm-hmm. Like I really like it. Like I think there's a lot to work with. Mm-hmm. Like his tools are really impressive. Like six 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 seven with like what a six eight wingspan. Yeah, six eight six nine or something. Yeah, and like he has really good like foot speed and then his stance like he moves really well so like i think there's a lot to work with and he has active hands mm-hmm. so like i think that there's something like there's a good defender there yeah he didn't get many blocks or steals um but that could also partially be due to how Arizona played with their bigs, with Coloco, just letting them do the cleanup work and stuff like that. Um, and 
you know, it, not getting blocks or steals is not the end of the world. Um, it, we know he's athletic, and oh, he know, has he had some imp- like his blocks are impressive. Yeah, when he does get them, they they're very loud. They're, like, <laughs> yeah, like you're gonna know about it. That they're like his blocks are really like impressive. Like he. He's weirdly a very good low man defender. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, like really good at protecting the rim. Like, and, and sometimes he would get lost, like backdoor and stuff. And like, he's he's a weird variation on defense. Like, like everyone basically on defense in college. But like, I feel like there's a lot of low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm like a lot to work with so like i'm pretty confident in like him being a good defender that's another thing like we talk about how guys fit with the teams that are drafted on offense i'm pretty sure if he came to the knicks he would be a good defender if he went to like charlotte or something i would be like ah, i don't know but we've like you look at the guys we've had like yeah quickly, tip, tip OB. Is not gonna, yeah tips is not gonna let him be a bad defender yeah and we've taken like guys like quickly and obi there, you know, Obi was just considered horrible on defense, and quickly was considered only okay. And both of them have turned out fine. And quickly's case, more than fine. He's legit good. So, um, even even you know. Grimes, like mm-hmm. he wasn't like super good at defense in college, but like he's really good at defense now. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. That his his Houston team was considered good at defense, but I don't think anybody thought he would be this good right now on defense immediately. So like, that's definitely true. First year, like it, like he, he's really impressive. I I don't love Grimes. I don't miss <laughs> Yeah, but okay, cool. So uh, Matherin, awesome, athletic, Canadian. Bring him to New York. I want to talk about. The bigs, real quick. Wait, okay. Yeah, he's a trash talker, and he'll let you hear about it. So yes, bring him to the Knicks. That is important. I, I, I would be remiss if I did not mention that. That is important. He's yeah. He he. Uh, we need we need more trash talkers on the Knicks. I feel like he'll let you know about it. He'll let you know about it. That's true. So I'll put that in his uh, plus column. Yeah, Um, he has that dog. He has that dog in him. Absolutely. Which uh, we want to talk about four bigs. Um, matter of fact, let's just start off with Coloco, who, since that's his teammate. And then we'll talk about okay. Williams, Kamagate, and Kessler. Um, so I'm, I'm not finished with my deep dive on bigs, but I, I've been 
trying to look at some tape and some videos and I'm thinking about all these different things like, okay, how good is their drop coverage? Are they good in pick and roll of like defending both the ball handler and the big, you know, like do they rotate quickly? How's their foot speed? All this kind of stuff, the screening, the rebounding. But then I was thinking about it and I'm like, we're, I'm thinking about all these things, but what if, centers can just get better at a lot of them or what if they can't and that's one thing i don't have the answer i don't know if you have the answer but like i know most centers come into the nba and they're not very good for a couple of years on defense so when when you're looking at these guys what do you what do you look for on defense it's hard because centers are such a weird evaluation on defense mm-hmm. like it's really weird so, like, mostly what I look for is instincts and can you play drop? Mm-hmm. Like, those are the main two things. And how well do you, like, do you use your length and size? Like, those are three main things I look for. For, um, I, I was looking most recently at Coloco film and, uh, Tyler Metcalf from No Ceilings just today wrote up a really good piece on Coloco with video clips. And um, he's kind of been the the more underrated, under-discussed big compared to Mark Williams and uh, Walker Kessler. Even though he's been on, you know, his team was better than Duke and better than uh, Auburn even. So, um, but he is pretty, like watching his video, man, he's he was solid. Like he's not super ballerina feet on defense, but he's not like a slow not ballerina feet. Not ballerina feet. He's a big dude. He's like seven feet yeah. legit, and um, he's pretty good in in drop. And his, I was really impressed with his uh, his pick and roll defense and his ability to like play both guys and switch between them and. Um, he seemed it's clear to me that at Arizona they drilled a lot of that stuff into him um which makes sense right they're really good defense and he was the anchor at it and in in uh the in Tyler's piece he was right he had some stats as well that like their the defense dropped off a cliff when Coloco was uh or not the defense the rim protection dropped off a cliff when he wasn't on the floor and uh, they took it, it went from fifty percent to sixty percent, and when he was on the floor, the guys just didn't want to test him at the rim. Like they didn't take many shots at the rim. So it was clear that at least at the college level, he was a really good rim protector, um, and he's just really good at using his seven five wingspan and. And all that to uh he's not quite as dominant of rim protectors like mark williams or like let alone like mitchell robinson or something but he's pretty freaking good and the reasons i like coloco are and i was kind of hating on this earlier in the season compared to the other prospects is like this guy gets a lot of his offense from post-ups in arizona and 
lobs from Matherin and stuff. And he'll get lobs in the NBA, but I'm like, is he really going to get post-ups? But, you know, just thinking about it, like how many times did we wish you could just throw it into Mitch on a mismatch in transition and we can't do that, right? So maybe uh, I shouldn't be such a hater about that. Um, and, you know, he's a good free throw shooter, so maybe he'll be able to get that little face-up jumper too. He shoots like 75 from the line or something. So um, I, I'd i be pretty happy if they managed to somehow sneakily get him in the second round and just make him a third big or something. A big will drop to our second round pick. Like, mm-hmm. There are way too many bigs like that we are not even gonna talk about, like Jalen mm-hmm. Williams. Like we're not even gonna talk about him, but like still like he's a, again a really good big. Like this center class is is deep. It's probably the deepest position in this definitely cycle. So like I, I'd be pretty happy with Kroko. Like he's really good and really impressive. Like when I watched the Mathurin film, mm-hmm. and the thing with his post ups, uh, like he's gonna mash dudes inside. Like <laughs> if, if someone's smarter than like he's gonna go get them, and that's that's nice for like easy baskets and like seals in transition and stuff like that. So like that can help the offense a lot. Yeah, and and obviously most of his. Uh, most of his uh, offense is gonna be lobs and like short rolls and stuff like that. But like, I'm I'm confident in him like being able to like see dudes and like mash them inside. Yeah, that'd be good. And speaking of mashing inside, let's talk about Mark Williams, who's probably after Chat and Duran, the most highly regarded center prospect. Um, what do you think about him? Oh. I think I think he's the best offensive big that we're gonna talk about. Like I, I have him like on offense he I have him higher than Kessler and Kuroko mm-hmm. just because he has somewhat of a like a mid range jumper and like his finishing at the rim is like ridiculous. And he tries to tear the rim down every time he dunks. Which is pretty fun, but like his what well, his two point percentage is like seventy two percent, which is ridiculous. crazy, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's seventy two percent hard, right? It's it's crazy, and his context was really good in uh, Duke, so like it's it was better than Kessler's at Auburn and the. Glocos Arizona because he has a lot of ball handlers uh, to go with him and he would benefit from Banquero short rolls. So like the context helped him, but like he did his part. Like uh, and like I'm really impressed by his offense. Um he has a seven seven wingspan, which is freaking crazy. Uh I don't I don't know what Mish's is, but it's got to be either longer or, like, the same or something insane like that. So you mentioned that he's the the one you like the most on offense. Do you not like him the most on defense? No. Why is that? Uh, uh, 
I have Kessler higher and Amadate mm-hmm. higher on defense, uh, but like Williams is is good on defense. But like I, mm. I like something like his feel and processing still doesn't like feel right sometimes, and uh, it costs Duke a lot, and his fouls like obviously cost Duke. Like he can get block happy and like like most young centers like he would get block happy and like get carried away like trying to block shots and like miss out on a box out or something like that so like he's not fundamentally sound on defense but like his athleticism like his recovery speed like that that really helps so like you can kind of drill that into him like like Mitch basically, mm-hmm. Mitch, I like his comp right now is Mitch rookie year, like mm-hmm. he, he's gonna be that like his rookie season, like a lot of fouls, but a lot of blocks and highlight blocks and stuff like that, but like not a good defender until like he gets his discipline. That's that that's my thinking with him. That's kind of where I'm at. Um, he's him and Kessler both pick up so many fouls, just trying to block everything. Um, and Mark has even more dumb fouls because he he'll do weird stuff like, uh, like instead of staying vertical, he'll just bring his hands down to try to get a steal that he has no chance of getting. Or if he gets switched on the perimeter, he'll try to pretend he's like Pat Beverly and be all up in a dude's grill and that's you're just gonna foul a guard because you're not as quick so and there's uh, some like on offensive rebounds he tries like hell and like gets mm-hmm. over the back a lot mm-hmm. like he he picks up a lot of like dumb fouls yeah and they're weird like it's different from mitch's dumb fouls as a rookie mitch's dumb fouls were more just like trying like to what are you you trying to block everything and like what are you doing like why are your hands down and like just why 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 are you trying to pick pocket yeah mark is too intense he he needs to almost just play more like boringly and just use his giant wingspan and let that do all of the work um uh we could talk a little bit about kessler too so um i think he's definitely better at staying vertical than mark and he's underrated in terms of his strength i feel like and my favorite thing about him on defense is he, he just has crazy timing. And it's not just at the rim. Like, sometimes when he gets a lot of jump shot blocks, kind of like Mitch did back in the day. Mitch would get his jump shot blocks, though, just because people he didn't realize how, that he could. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, people couldn't really, realize that he could yeah, do it. Yeah. Like. I, I remember, like, the block against Orlando, like, his famous block. Like, he was on the floor, then he blocked the corner three-point. And, like, like he, you can't do that if you're a normal human being. Yeah, exactly. Kessler, his jump shot blocks aren't like that, but it looks like somebody told him, like, half a second early, like, they're going to shoot it. Like, he just got, like, a message from the future, and he just puts his hands up and jumps. But you never see him... Uh, you never see him like 
get fooled by that. Like in theory, you're like, oh, he's trying to jump block shots half a second early. You could just pump fake and get him and drive past him. But that doesn't happen that much on the perimeter. So he's just really good at guessing when they're going to shoot. Um, he does a lot of, you know, like you were saying, he's super block happy. I mean, 20% block rate, you're definitely going to be a block happy dude. Um, and sometimes he should probably, just like Mark, just put your hands up and just be, be big. and be in the way. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, uh, you know, Tibbs, Tibbs would definitely have him work on that. And some of those block happy fouls would drive Tibbs crazy probably. But um, what do you think of, of him on offense? Oh, he's, he's really on offense because, like, he again, he tries to dunk everything, and that's pretty fun. But uh, but his context wasn't really that good. Mm-hmm. Like, who is his best ball handler? Wendell Green? Like, yeah. <laughs> and Wendell Green shot, tried to dame Laird uh, a walk-off game winner from the logo. So that's what you can say about his decision-making. So, like, it, it's it's weird because when he gets the ball in short-row situations, I really like it because he keeps the ball high and tries to dunk it. Like, he's just going to be, like, on top of you because he's 7-1 with, like, mm-hmm. really long arms. So he's just going to dunk it over you. Uh, like, that's what I really like about him. He keeps the ball, like, high on short rolls and, like, lobs. Like, he doesn't come down with it. Uh, but, like, that comes to hurt him sometimes because if he jumps too early or the pass isn't made, like, right, like, he'd have, like, he'd have to go, come down with it. And that's when guards can strip him. But like that falls on the guard as well because the time under the pass, it's it's weird on offense. Yeah, he's uh he's definitely odd. Um, and he didn't have guards to help him that much. But I think he'll probably be able to do a little bit more than like Mitch, for example, in terms of the variety of his moves. But nowhere near as much as Coloco or Williams. Um, what do you think about? his shooting because he wasn't you know he wasn't a good shooter but he wasn't afraid to shoot either yeah he, he he's gonna shoot it he, he's gonna shoot it and like they would want sets for him like it's not like random end of the clock bailout like they would run actual sets for him so that that like makes me want to believe in his shooting and like he can become like a fake shooting big yeah so, like uh I'm trying like, to think who else is like that. Miles Turner, like that would be yeah, Miles Turner or even Taj, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like some fake shooting big, like I I think like because they would run like actual plays for him, like I, I'm like I'm not confident in saying like he'll be a sure, but like I'm not gonna be surprised if he does. Right, that's a good way of putting it. I don't think I would be surprised either. Even though the shot is kind of gross, but it's, it's not pretty to the guy. They could, you know, some if, if he gets with a good shooting coach, maybe they could tweak it a little bit. Um, the next big I wanted to talk about uh, is 
different from those bigs in his play style. It's um, Mr. Kamagate from France. Uh, he's not quite as big as those players. Um, I think he's six only 6'11 or whatever. Only. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. And his wingspan's only like seven foot four instead of seven five, six seven like these other guys. Um, and he's a little skinnier as well um, compared to the other centers we've talked about. But he does. He, I'm, I, he's fascinating. He's the one I'm highest on, but he's also kind of like he'd be the scariest one to pick in some ways to me um, for a couple of reasons. But real quick, before we get to his offense, what do you think about his defense? I I actually like his defense. Mm-hmm. Like, I like his defense. Like, when I watch, like, his film, I have, like, I wrote some things down. Like, he has really good processing speed, like, as a help defender. Uh, like, good at help side uh, defense. He's not, a, he's not a switch guy, but he shows some impressive foot speed when he gets attacked, uh, especially on a closeout. And that closeout, if he does it with good technique, like, he'll be uh, good. And he was used that uh, he he was mostly used that uh, like aggressive uh, pick and roll coverages, like being at the level of the screen or like showing higher. And he was really good at that because like his foot speed uh, was good, and like he has good more. And I don't like I don't know about his drop just yet because like he showed some good stuff, but like it still was pretty raw at times so like like drop is not really something like he can get that drilled into him but like he's not gonna have it figured out like uh uh, like like the other guys might yeah yeah that kind of lines up with with what i saw um it's weird like he's I, I well, first of all, I definitely agree about his. He actually has ballerina feet. He reminds me of Sims a lot, even though yeah. he's not as jacked as Sims. In that he's, he just moves so well. He moves even better than Sims to me. Like, like he he when he gets in a stance on the perimeter, he looks like a wing. He doesn't look like a big trying to guard a faster player. He just looks like a wing playing regular defense and he's really flexible and and his hips are good and stuff like that so if they if the knicks has someone like him or whoever has someone like him they should use him more like sims than like mitch for example like let him like you said play at the level a little bit more and get a little crazy running around yeah he can like late switch and like mm-hmm. do stuff like that like paid switch like guard off uh like when uh, like guards try to probe Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'll be pretty confident in like saying, "Hey, go get him." Yeah, the processing is interesting because I, I found it to be like a mixed bag. Like he would have good moments, and then sometimes he would be in no man's land. But I, most of the time, just thinking about it now, mo- when I saw him, kind of just have brain farts. It was usually his pick and roll defense and you know 
one thing we always talk about that Mitch is really good at is playing two, like sort of yeah. making it so you can't tell if he's going to commit to the ball handler or the big, and therefore he kind of mucks up, you muck up the communication between the two, and then you can just spring out on whoever ends up having the ball to shoot. Um, and I just, in, in the limited film I saw, he would just kind of give it away, like whether he wanted to stick more with the ball handler or more with the big, and then they would just pass it to the whoever he was not sticking with. Um, so that's something, it's, it's just something in the back of my head because, you know, you're going to be put in the zillion pick and rolls in the NBA. Yeah. But hopefully, you know, he's only 21, so hopefully you could work on that. Um, I think most bigs probably struggle with pick and roll defense at the beginning anyway. Yeah, the level of speed, is, like the jump is crazy from any level to the NBA, so. It gets yeah. It gets a while to get used to. And I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say any of these four guys really um, have like amazing, amazing processing speed. Like none of them are defensively like genius level or anything like that. They all kind of sometimes have brain farts or jump too much or or switch the wrong guy or whatever. And I would say. Coloco is probably the best defensive processor of the group, but uh, the other ones just offer some other interesting things on defense, like Kamagate's switchability. Um, but more importantly, arguably than that, um, I want to talk about his offense because that's where he really sets himself apart from uh, these other guys who are mostly rim runners. And then in the case of Williams and Coloco, um, you know, they can attack mismatches and stuff like that and hit free throws. But Kamagate is a whole nother ball game in terms of his offense, right? Yeah, his offense is really impressive. Like, really impressive. Some of the things he does, like, as a passer, like, his face-up game, like, his one dribble, like, he can drive by you. Like, some of the stuff he does is really impressive. What is your he? So he really does a little bit of everything. He can shoot mid range shots. He can short roll pass. He can interior pass. Um, you know he can do some face up stuff. What what of those of his offensive skills are you most confident in that will be helpful in the NBA? Uh, like his short roll. Like I mm -hmm. think that's gonna be that's gonna be good right away because uh, the processing speed is there. And like he can hit like angles, like tough angles. So I, I, and can obviously finish at the rim. So like I think he'd be really good in short road situations, like right away. Like that's what yeah. I'm comfortable with. And we know rookies can come, like even Sims shows some of that. So if Sims could do it, I mean, he's a little older. He came in like 23 or 22. So. Maybe that's why, but yeah, I agree with you. I think his short roll passing is probably like day one, he can do that. Um, if his coach lets him shoot mid-range shots, I think day one, he can do that. I haven't decided if I think those will ever become threes because he shoots kind of flat. So uh, it's almost reminds me of DeAndre Ayton, who's has a yeah. really good mid-range jump shot, but I don't know if I ever see it being a consistent threat from three. 
and like he's like Aiden as well and like he gets finesse happy inside mm-hmm. and like that's one thing that really popped when I watched him like he'd get like finesse happy with touch shots and hooks and stuff like that uh when he can be like more aggressive and dunk on people so like that's one thing to watch like the aggression level uh like I, I think that like that can take him another level in my opinion yeah i agree i think that's one thing he could definitely learn from uh williams and coloco both of whom are like psycho mashers like you said who are like kamagate on his on his dunks and his blocks he's pretty enthusiastic but aside from that i wish he was more physical like on defense and on his finishing and in rebounding he's not he's a little smaller than the other guys so it kind of makes sense that he wouldn't be as good a rebounder but part of it is isn't just his size part of it is just like sometimes he just like it's not good at holding his position and other guys he's content with guys moving him yeah exactly so are you like his family's weird what do you uh does that give you like a is is that something to worry about like the physicality stuff or is that more just you know you're not worried but it's just something to kind of monitor i think it's something to monitor because he's still young mm-hmm. and he's still growing into his body like his body is still like not uh, where you want it to be like he's not a grown man like mark and kessler and Kroko, like those like they have really good vibes so i think like once he gets in like a, an mba like uh mm-hmm. conditioning program and like gets physical like he'll get more physical like in my opinion but it, it's still something to want to look to that's a good point they're all about the same age but you're definitely right in that, like, in terms of physical development, the other guys are all further along than he is. And, you know, that that matters. Like, we even saw it with Mitch. Like, he, as he got bigger and filled out, he became better at boxing out and uh, better at imposing himself. And eventually he went too far in the other <laughs> end and gained too much weight. <laughs> he, he tilted the skin way too much. Yeah, exactly. So, um Okay, cool. So let's do this to take us home. Um, for these four bigs, how would you rank them on offense? Okay, on offense, I think. Yeah. Uh, are we talking right now or are we talking potential? Let's say. Hmm, that's a good question. Let's say rank them how you think they will be in offense in five years. Five years, okay. I think yeah. I have Kamagate one, Williams two. Oh, Kloka and Kessler are tough because if Kessler gets a jumper, that's different. If so, Kessler gets a jumper, then he's probably he's probably possibly one. even the top of the list, right? <laughs> yeah, he's probably one, but like I'm not confident in saying he will. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with Kuroko three, Kessler four, which hurts okay. because I, I, like I'm the leader with the 
catch me a guy. So. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. Sometimes it's okay to be wrong. And then uh, we're happy for the guy we were wrong about. So whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, all right. How would you rank them on defense? Um, like how they project? Uh, I can't not say Kessler one. Like, I'm, I'm really confident in his defense. Mm-hmm. And then I have uh, Kamagate too. Oh, Koloko and Williams again. Like that's that's tough. Oh, I think I have Koloko three because he has more foot speed, mm-hmm. and like his processing it was better at Arizona than Williams at Duke. So I yeah I think yeah Koloko three Williams four. All right, and then last question: How would you rank the four of them, uh, just in terms of who you would prefer? Say Mitchell Robinson is leaving, the Knicks somehow acquire the twenty-eighth pick, and all of them are available. Um, and who would you pick to be Sims's backup? Assume Sims is going to start. Ooh. I like if you want the upside pick, it's obviously Kamagai. Like that's the obvious upside one, but like his floor is a lot lower than the other guys in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So like Kessler is a safer bet to be like, hey, he's gonna be good enough to be a backup and like give us twenty minutes or like. 15 minutes with like sims and like a small boy five like that as your three options like sims as like the super aggressive like pick and roll guy and like kessler as the drop big and like having small boy five like Mm -hmm. that sounds like that sounds interesting and if he like the jumper is a work in progress, but like, man, if that shit gets like even respectable, like thirty percent, that changes that changes the math. Here's one final final question. So, and I don't even know what, how I would answer it, but like, if you're picking a center outside of the lottery, like late in the first or something like that. I could see on the one hand the argument for picking the guys you are who you're more sure about on defense because you need to have good centers to play defense. But on the other hand, I feel like there's more and more good centers just floating around that you can get for not that much money or in drafts. So isn't there also an argument for just taking the biggest home run swing you can? Which like would if you had if you if you're Leon Rose and you get the big bucks and we have the thirtieth pick, are you approaching picking a center more for the upside or more to just ensure that we have that kind of center defense depth? What is GMO doing? It, it depends how high you are on like Kessler's defense and like and like his shooting projections. 
because like if you're like super high on that like i think he goes one but like and let's say the median or like the 70th percentile outcome mm-hmm. like give me give me kamagae and like i'll have like good centers like around in free agency because it's not that hard to get good centers like it's hard to get elite centers but like it's not that hard to get good centers in my opinion yeah that's true i think i agree and i don't know as much as i like i i really think coloco and williams are definitely the more sure things i think kessler and kamagate have the upside for the reasons you've said on offense so you know if if you could get someone like sims way late in the second round then fuck it just take a home run swing on one of these guys man i don't know that's what i would do it's not my money though so <laughs> yeah it's not my money you go pick i'm gonna be yeah. happy i'm gonna be happy where i am thinking of who i want to be yeah that's where i'm at that's where i'm at Cool. Well, uh, listeners, hopefully now you have a better picture of uh, these centers and of Mo's Canadian son, Benedict Matherin. Thank you for coming with us on this journey. Mo, thank you for jumping on Jeff Strickland. This was really fun. Um, Is there anything you want to plug or give a shout to or anything like that? Uh. First of all, I, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, man. And uh, not really because I'm going to be busy with finals and my family is going to listen to this, so I'm not going to say I'm going to have stuff to do. But I may, I may check my account. I don't know. Like, it depends how... It depends if the Bucks do well or like the Celtics do well, and like I'm, I want to clip their defense and clip some ridiculous Giannis clips. So, like, which teams are you rooting for? I, I, I want Bucks Warriors in the finals. That would be or, fun. Or, or, or Bucks Mavs, just because of Frank. I was gonna say Giannis Luca would be pretty cool, but also Frank in the finals would be. So hilarious for so many reasons. That would would objectively be the greatest week of my life. (laughs) Yeah, I think all of the the Knicks would become Mavs fans, which is funny given we spent so many years hating the Mavs because of Chris Tapps. I mean, Chris Tapps is like, that was the one positive thing we said about the the trade deadline. Like, Chris Tapps is gone. Like, I can finally support Luca and peace. Like, that that was my like i did um like i did the luca thread on february like that's right i forgot after chris Tapps got traded like yeah that's that's the level like i I, i'm enjoying watching the maps like there's no more guilt yeah there's no more guilt. like i can't be there watching like watching chris Tapps, but like watching like reggie burak do some fun stuff like Frank being Frank and like Luke you know what you sold me I think I'm now rooting for uh before I was rooting for Suns Bucks rematch because I do like Devin Booker a lot and I kind of do want Chris Paul to get a ring but Frank and to a lesser extent Reggie in the finals and Luca versus Giannis that's pretty cool so I'm a I'm a root for that so uh you heard it here 
get ready, Frank in the finals, and then Mo's inevitable Frank in the finals thread coming oh, soon. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If that happens, I'm doing a Frank thread. I'm saying what I'm saying it right now. I don't care if I have finals. I don't care. I'm going to do a Frank thread if Frank is in the finals. And Mo has his priorities in order. If he gets minutes, even if he gets garbage minutes, I don't care. That's the spirit. That's the energy we have here on Draft Strickland. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. We'll uh, catch you next week for uh, the next episode. Again, follow Mo at Mo Loves NBA. If you don't follow me, what are you doing listening to this? I don't know, but you should probably follow me too. And on that note, we will let you go. Peace, everyone. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.